Hey y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast. This is volume 72. We just finished week four of the college football season and we had a couple amazing games, man. I was in College Station, Texas for the Auburn Texas A&M game. Uh, tremendous game. Texas A&M has to learn to score a little quicker. This is another one of those years, Travis, where the season's about to begin. You look at Auburn's schedule, you go, man, that could be six and six. That could be six and six. And every single year that you go, wow, that could be six and six, Auburn goes 10 and two. They were able to dance around some of those tricky games early on with Bo Nix, a true freshman, where you're thinking that might be a loss because of his inexperience, but they've made it through this part. So at least like they've got the confidence he's starting to get that experience. And now let's see what they can really do. Dude, two huge wins. I mean, they have two monster wins against Oregon in the season opener in Dallas, Texas at Jerry World, and now on the road in the SEC West against Texas A&M, Kellen Mond, Jimbo Fisher, the 12th man who, by the way, showed out. That place is special, man. That place is different. I love being there. I, the people are so kind, and they're so appreciative when you show up and you champion their school and you show off the countless traditions. I love the tradition of college football. It's one of my favorite parts of sport, period. And at Texas A&M, there's another tradition at every single corner. And there's Reveille. The fanhood of people that just stand there in awe. I saw you do some stuff on IG. It's remarkable. And... So I did a piece on Reveille and Colton Ray, who is her handler. It's the mascot corporal, I want to say, is the is the name of the handler. That's and it's Colton name. Ray, and it is a phenomenal title. And only one person gets to do it each year. And it is a wonderful honor for that cadet to have that opportunity to take Reveille everywhere they go. And to learn about all of the different intricacies and nuances that come with that job, that, that is the most famous being on campus. And this is Reveille 9. It's been a tradition since 1922. And it was so fun to spend a morning on a Friday with Colton to learn all of the different intricacies and nuances that come with being that individual that's charged with caring for Reveille at all moments of all days. Does does, does Reveille like live with that person? Lives in his dorm room with him, yes. Wow, that's pretty awesome. It is awesome. And the devotion that Colton and his predecessors as that mascot corporal have for Reve- uh, Reveille is a beautiful thing to witness. It's a friendship. They love one another. And I asked Colton what the most difficult part of the job was, and he nearly got tears in his eyes and said, I think that the hardest part of the job will be giving her up to who is next. And that is what Mia, who is the first young lady to serve as the mascot corporal who did so in 2018 told Colton when she passed Reveille on to him. It's a very emotional thing for these uh, Texas A&M cadets who have the great honor of being the mascot corporal and Reveille's handler for a year. And we're walking around campus and it's like the paparazzi's following us. People want selfies. We, we ran into a couple of, of, of young ladies who were seniors 
and they had never met her. They had never met Reveille before. And it was an amazing moment to watch it. I've been going to school here for three years. This is my fourth year, and I've never even seen her. And they stopped time in order to have that opportunity. And it was just really cool to learn all those things. How about this, Travis? Reveille does a pamper spa day once a week, and it takes seven hours. Wow. That's, yes. li- that's living. Uh, it's living. And I will tell you, man, to see just how well-groomed that dog is, man, it's a thing. It is a beautiful Beautiful dog. Well, yeah, it can't just like, go out in public just looking all raggedy like we might do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just throw like gym shorts on and go out to the grocery store. Like it has to be perfect at all time. It is perfect. And what an awesome tradition. Just again, one of many at Texas A&M that I love so much. And it's, it's, I said this on the, on the SEC Nation broadcast on Saturday morning. It was a bit of a spontaneous thought, which is, I have I have several of those while I'm hosting <laughs> SEC Nation. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, there's so much information coming at you all at once that when a video shows up on a screen and it's your job to try to eloquently voice or tie up or lead to a piece or some piece of video and it's unscripted, that's what people love. But you're showing these traditions at Texas A&M And it just made me think that in this life, we all just want to be part of something. We all want to feel like we're a member of something, whether that's a group of friends, whether that's a team, whether that's a unit, whether whatever that is, a family. We want to feel like we're a part of something and that we're entrenched and rooted within something. And at Texas A&M, that's everywhere, man. Because there's so much tradition. 30, 40, 50,000 people show up at the midnight yell on Friday night to practice chanting. And then they take that together as a unit to Saturday afternoon and or night at Kyle Field. And they go and they go and they go and they don't stop from the jump until the end. And man, it's cool down there. Texas is cool. Damn, Texas is cool. I like Texas, man. So, I want to talk about the video that was on Sports Center. Was on your Instagram. I think you tweeted it out. You uh, with a was it a steer? What were you uh, trying to corral there? Yep. So, all right. So, as a lot of y'all know, I have a, a partnership with Academy Sports and Outdoors, and within that partnership, we produce many original pieces. Great, great production group out of Columbus, Georgia called Sub 7. My, my boy Mark Womack and, and the fellas. And we go out and we, we produce these pieces of original content that accentuate the beauty of the outdoors. Hunting, fishing, et cetera, et cetera. And one that we wanted to do and had the opportunity to do in College Station is the rodeo. I am fascinated by rodeo culture. Utterly fascinated. And we had the opportunity to meet these two young people, Mitchell and Brianna, who are Texas A&M students and are both national rodeo finalists at the collegiate level. They both rodeo for Texas A&M. And they both went to the collegiate finals in Casper, Wyoming, 
last year, possibly earlier this year. I'm not sure when exactly it was. It might have been earlier this year, this spring, possibly. And so they're very good at what they do, calf roping and steer wrestling. And there's a name for what Brianna does. Dude, get this. They go out of this chute, all right? They open this chute, and, and, and the athlete is on a horse. And they open this chute, and a calf takes off sprinting as hard as it'll go. The horse takes off sprinting as hard as it'll go, and they throw a lasso around the calf's neck. All right, it has to be near the shoulders. I don't know. There's some kind of rules, and I don't know all the rules, the nuances of it. But they throw this lasso around the calf's neck, and that is the run. They're not, they don't have to like stop the calf or pull the calf. They just have to get it properly around the calf's neck, and that's the run. Dude, they are doing this in like 1.5 seconds. It's insane. And so, I learn all this and, and I leave, listen, I left the set of SEC Nation and I got in a truck and I drove an hour and a half and ate some barbecue and drank a cold beer and then I went to a ranch. I interviewed Mitchell. I interviewed Brianna and I can't wait for you guys to see this piece, by the way. I'll be sure to put it on my social channels. And so we're at this ranch and I interview them about their respective disciplines, how they got into rodeo, what it means for them to do it, their boyfriend, girlfriend. So how they support one another and what it's like to drive all the way across the country and, and have a like-minded passion for something and really understand the pressures that come with all that, the, the performance on the big stage. So we finished those interviews and Mitchell says to me, man, you should try. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's dangerous. It's big ass horns. And I mean, it could impale you if you don't know what you're doing. He's like, come on, we can practice. So they hitch up this apparatus to a side by side and they pull it. It's like a block football blocking dummy that is uh, horizontal and parallel to the ground. And it has this rubber steer head on it. And so he's showing me the technique. You're, and by the way, they're on a horse as they're jump, they're jumping off a horse to wrestle this guy to the ground. I didn't do that. I just, uh, ran up beside it and, and did it. But so they jump off this horse and they get their hip into the steers kind of neck, lower neck area. And you get your right forearm up under its horn and you kind of pull your bicep to your pec right bicep to your right pec, and you grab the left horn with your left hand and you want to pull it towards your left hip and kind of bury it in your left hip. And then you put all your body weight onto the steer and try to get all four of his feet off the ground. I think that's the rules. So I watched him do it a couple times, and he makes it look pretty easy. And Brianna's dad is a big-time steer wrestler, and so, you know, he's giving me all these tips. Long story short, I went ahead and tried it, and it wasn't the greatest display of athleticism of all time, Travis, but hell, I gave it a great try. So my description of it was that is the video of what it's like trying to corral the Marty party and keep it out of the ditches was what you were trying to do (laughs) with that. That's the truth. What There was a moment, though, where it kind of looked at you after you let it go where – were you a little worried? 
I wasn't worried at all. I was pit. I was really angry. And what y'all didn't see, and you will see in the video that Academy posts coming up here in a couple of weeks, is that I laid there just for a second. I was so angry at that thing because it got me in the rib, man. That horn hit me right in the left rib, and it ticked me off. And you go back and watch the video, and his other horn actually missed my nose by an inch, maybe an inch. And so I'm replaying all that in my mind, and I'm pissed. And so I just sat there and flew him the bird. I just held up my middle (laughs) finger at him for like a minute, and everybody behind me, all the cowboys, all the cowgirls, Everybody involved, everybody from Academy Sports and Outdoors, there were ESPN people there. Everybody was just cracking up laughing. And I can't wait to see the video of that. Um, the video that you guys all saw on social media was from the lady who is charged with training the horses and running the horses and warming up the horses there at the ranch. That was from her phone, which I guess she gave it to ESPN who gave it to me. But either way, that's neither here nor there. Uh, amazing experience. I'm just a guy. I mean, you know this about me, man. I'm, I am apt to try. I'd rather try and fail than wonder later on when I'm on the airplane the next morning before dawn. Man, should I have done it? I should probably should have at least tried it. Well, you never know if you'll get the opportunity ever again. You, I, I guarantee you I will not. <laughs> and it's funny because I was leaving. And, and Brianna's daddy was like, man, you need to come back down here. I need two days. He said, I can tell that you have athleticism. I need two days. You give me two days. I can make you a steer wrestler. And they were looking at my technique kind of like last week when I learned how to, uh, repel with the Hunter first airborne, you watch somebody else do it. And then you do it. And while you're all a little bit awkward, there's potential there. And that's kind of what both of those folks said. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know. My expectation is that I'll never try that so again. So what you're saying is we need to do a live podcast from the ranch. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be, you talk about some characters. We'd have some funny commentary. I can promise you that. But I, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't wait for you guys to see that piece. You know, it blows my mind. Like the outdoors is interesting because there's this voracious appetite for it, and there's just not a, a ton of commercial outlets for avid consumers like me to to consume that type of content. And I'm so I love the opportunity that Academy gives me to do it. And you know, otherwise I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be. I sure as hell wouldn't be in the Louisiana Bayou swamps with alligators. I certainly wouldn't be in the Louisiana Bayou swamps grabbing frogs out of the water in the middle of the night with my bare hands. And by the way, these ain't no little frogs on your lawn. They're as big as my forearm or bigger. They're big as my arm, basically. I mean, it's, it's wild, dude. And, uh, it's fun. I love that partnership, but. Uh, we have a unique guest this week and we're going to get him on the horn in just a minute. But, but before we get to our guest, I want to discuss Zapier with you guys. Growing businesses ain't easy, man. And in fact, in a lot of cases, it's hard. There's so much involved in it. There's the bottom line. There's people. There's product. There's so much that's involved in it. 
And it's even harder when you're wasting hours every single day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your CRM or wherever. Shouldn't that kind of stuff just happen without you even trying? Zapier can help. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most in your business. You're not wasting time anymore on tasks that you know could be automated because that's what Zapier was built to do. Automate it. Just go to our special link, zapier.com slash Marty, connect the apps you use most and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send them to a CRM or a spreadsheet, then notify your team so they can act fast on every opportunity. That's just scratching the surface, though. Zapier supports more than 1,500 business applications, so the possibilities are endless. Best of all, it's easy to build the exact solution you need in a few minutes without writing code or asking developers for help. Join more than 4.5 million others who are saving an average of 40 hours a month. 40 hours a month using Zapier. Right now through November, try Zapier free at zapier.com slash Marty. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash M-A-R-T-Y. 14-day trial for free, zapier.com slash Marty. All right, Travis, let's get Taylor on the phone. Uh, he's here for you. Taylor. Yes, sir. Hey, <laughs> hey Marty, what, how are you? What do you say, Air Hoss? I appreciate you taking a minute. Now, so... For those of you uh, listening, let me introduce you guys to Taylor Lamb. All right, Taylor grew up in Augusta, Georgia. We all know what happens in Augusta, Georgia, and he's a UGA dog, all right? And Taylor does something. Taylor contributes to society in a way that is as chivalrous and noble as humanly possible. He brews beer for a living. And, I mean, look, have you ever had a greater introduction than that, Taylor? No, it was just, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. That was just perfect. Uh, it is, man. I mean, look, there are very few professions that make people happier than someone <laughs> who creates the frothy goodness that is the cold beer. And I just want to get into first, I want to talk about the, the, the prospects of brewing beer. How, how does a guy get to a point where, all right, he goes to the University of Georgia, and he has this whole plan. He's going to go in. He's going to dominate corporate America. And then he realizes corporate America sucks. How did you end that up is, getting to this place? That is exactly right. So, yeah, so after I left uh, University of Georgia, I ended up in banking and was wor- working for a bank and did that for a number of years. And it was while I was working for a bank, uh, I just randomly ordered a cheap beer-making kit off the Internet, and it was one that uses – extracts and you just kind of brew a batch of beer in your kitchen and that kind of gave me this inspiration to think like oh my gosh well this is pretty cool making beer for myself and family and friends like you know let me let me learn more about this and how do you make beer from scratch rather than just using these extracts and so uh kept, i kind of started acquiring some brewing books and um bought better equipment where i started brewing five gallon batches of beer in my uh, back in my parents garage in augusta and I uh, just did that for a number of years and then dawned on me one day, I thought, gosh, you know, I don't, I don't love this uh, career path in banking, but I do love this hobby uh, of brewing beer. It's really a passion. And so how does one become, uh, you know, turn that into a career? And so it turns out there's these brewing schools you can go to that'll teach the science of, of beer making and kind of on a, on a commercial scale. So in 2012, I, uh, uh, applied and was accepted into a school, uh, especially two schools, one 
in Chicago, and then one in uh, Munich, Germany, to form what's called the World Brewing Academy. So I went through that program, came back with more brewing knowledge than my brain could absorb. So it gave me a good, <laughs> uh, good uh, kind of educational foundation of, uh, of how to brew beer. Munich, Germany. How's an old boy from Augusta do in Munich? <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I mean, the you know, so we were pretty tied up Monday through Friday with the brewing school, but on the weekends we had the opportunity to explore around, and it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, it was it was just really cool to go back to uh, you know to, to a place that uh, beer has been uh, brewed for for hundreds of years, and uh, they they take their beer very very seriously. So uh, just a, just an awesome awesome experience there. How long does it take to be good at brewing beer? Well, I mean, you know, no one ever, you know, I'd like to think that no one ever actually perfects it, that it's always a, a constant, um, you know, work in progress, and you're always kind of uh, tinkering with different recipes and trying out uh, uh, different uh, uh, different styles and different recipes. So uh, for me, you know, when I got back from, uh, from Munich in, in 2012, I worked as an assistant brewer up in uh, a small brewery up in Durham, North Carolina, for a number of years. And then worked at a, a, a brewery in Greenville, South Carolina, called Brewery 85, as a head brewer for uh, for two years. So, kind of got some experience brewing on uh, on you know the, on the commercial scale before I really had the, the confidence and the and the knowledge and know how to say, all right, I'm ready to you know launch out and, and do my own thing now. What's the responsibility of the master brewer? Yeah, I mean it's kind of all encompassing. So, I mean obviously there's the brewing aspect of it of you know formulating recipes and and uh actually the, how do you do that do you taste all day is it a science experiment <laughs> like how's that work well yeah well i mean uh sampling uh and, and tasting is is definitely uh you know one of the harder parts of the job um no but i mean you <laughs> could draw a, a direct comparison to the culinary world of kind of how a, a chef would you know take take different recipes and put them together to create a dish we're essentially doing the same thing with with beer and and nowadays you know we're not necessarily creating new styles of beer this, these are these are styles that uh, uh generally have been around for hundreds of years but it's it's each brewer's interpretation of that style so you know i might want to use instead of using all german ingredients for a particular beer i might say all right well i want to use some hops that are grown out in, in the pacific northwest out in you know washington state and and kind of tinker with the different recipes there so um so yeah so it's it's just a matter of uh, trial and error really i mean we i still to this day still have that five gallon homebrew system that i started out with my parents garage in augusta and, and we'll use that to um to play around with different recipes and you kind of come up with a, a wild idea and say hey you know what you know I, I don't know if this would be good or not but let's try it so i'm a huge amber red ale guy and yeah. i know that i know you guys so it's oconee brewing company is the right. brewery for which for which uh taylor works and Mean Machine Red Ale is actually sold between the hedges, all right? So this must be a dream for a Georgia boy that a beer that is in your stead is submitted to the masses, the 90-plus thousand at Sanford Stadium. What's that like? When you see some guy over here raising hell for the dogs and raising up a Mean Machine that you brewed, it's uh it's unreal i mean i still have to kind of pinch myself and bring myself back to reality that this is is a real thing because uh obviously i mean two things i'm very passionate about is is beer and and sports and especially uga football 
so to, to, to bring those two together, it's just, it's just mind blowing. I mean, I'm very humbled by it and, uh, very appreciative of, uh, of that opportunity. And, uh, it's just, it's just really, really cool. I mean, you know, we created that beer with, uh, with UGA in mind. I mean, uh, Mean Machine being a part of uh, a UGA uh, kind of chant. And uh, coincidentally, at, at the brewery here where we are in Greensboro, Georgia, we've got a train track that rolls right behind the brewery. So it all just tied together. It was a red ale. Our can's red and black, which is UGA's colors, obviously. So it, um, it all just made sense when we created it. And then to have this, it was like, man, this is just the, the, the pinnacle of it all to, to get it uh, uh, into, into the stadium itself. So I'm a beer can nerd. I'm not sure if, if Travis told you about this, but I'm a I'm a can guy. All right. I walk yeah. into the restaurant or the bar and my first question to the bartender is always, What cans y'all got? And so right. I'm sitting here looking at the mean machine can and that's a badass can. How much <laughs> how much work goes into the actual aesthetics of the product of the of the can and what role do you have in that or do you guys have a graphics department or how's all that work in terms of the marketing aspect that way oh yeah that's a really good question because i mean that was something that was kind of you know learned as we went along the importance of of the can design itself so i mean you figure gosh it's a competitive market these days and your cans are sitting on the shelves with a bunch of other breweries cans so you know sure the what the liquid inside you know should be fantastic and sell itself but in reality i mean you got to have you got to have a can that pops and that uh um that people that catches uh, people's eyes so uh, we we work with a local uh company actually up in athens um and uh design company and um and i mean they're awesome I mean, I, uh you know instill a lot of trust in them i mean they're the creative minds when it comes to the design stuff so on our end we've got you know we'll name the beer and and, and explain you know why we named it that and a little bit about the beer, but generally just kind of turn it over to them to kind of come up with different renderings and um, present back to us kind of what they, you know, what 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 the um, you know name inspired in them, and um, and it's been awesome. Man. It's been an awesome working relationship. More often than not, they'll come back with you know two, three, four renderings, and and of one one of them at least will say, boom, you guys nailed it. You know, grand slam. This is this is it. Let's roll in this direction, and then we'll kind of tweak it from there. So. Um, yeah, just a good working relationship with uh, with folks that uh, you know their their uh, line of expertise is, uh, is is all things design, and to have have somebody in, in our backyard here, essentially up in Athens, uh, that's, that's capable of doing that's pretty awesome. What's the challenge of name? I'm looking at some of your I'm looking at your menu. I don't know what y'all call it, but that's what I'm gonna call it. Yeah, you got a, a beer called Bird and Barley. You got Round Here Beer. That sounds familiar. You got <laughs> Lion Lamb, you got 3-1000, you got Grand Dunkle or Grand Dunkle or whatever, however you say that. So I struggled, man. I mean really struggled naming my book. And it got me to thinking about, you know, titles of songs and how artists go through that. And it's the same thing here. How do you – like that's, impo- that's a very important part of this. How sure. do you go about – titling them or naming the beer yeah i mean a lot of it um at least for us has been uh kind of a a a group uh brainstorming session and a lot of times the beer will be brewed and kind of be what we want it to be before we've even established a name for it and so then you know comes in the, the difficult part of all right well let's sit around and let's let's sip on this beer and let it inspire us and uh and see what names we might come up with so 
Um, I mean, that's, that's been the um, general uh, way that we've gone, gone to name them. I mean, another thing we have to keep in mind, and as, as craft beer continues to boom across the nation, um, is, is finding a name that hasn't already been used and it, you know, doesn't have a trademark uh, associated with it. And uh, that makes it you know, even a little bit more difficult to uh, really you know, find, find something. And not just beer. I mean, it's with the trademark office, it, you know, if there's a wine or a liquor, they see it all the same. So uh, you've got to kind of do your due diligence and, and make sure that uh, you know, you're locking in on a name that's, uh, that hadn't already been used. So I'm going to eventually, I'm going to partner with somebody. I don't know. I don't know who, but I'm going to cr- try to create a beer here. And I want your expertise on what would you name a beer that was an amber beer and was associated with a guy from Appalachia who has a fake country accent, terrible <laughs> juvenile hair, um, wrinkles and acne, a beard that apparently needs to be shaved off. Um, what else, Travis? What are some other flaws of mine? No, that beard's not going anywhere. Uh, the, 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 the accent in the Appalachian needs to be you – know, I'm thinking more of a ginger pale ale kind of beer being that's your description. Yeah, ginger pale ale be good. That'd be good. And I, I, I know uh, you've mentioned it before, but the, the Marty Party beer, I mean, that just has yep. a ring to it that uh, – I mean, why, why wouldn't you want a, a six-pack or a case of those in your cooler on, uh, on game day? I completely agree with that, and I think that we're going to have to pursue that very soon. Uh, last thing, and I'll let you go, brother. How many of them red? Uh, how many of them uh, mean machines did you consume in Sanford Stadium on Saturday night as your dogs upended the Irish? What was that scene like? I know you were there. Good golly, yeah, it was. I mean, that was uh, that was just unreal. I mean, I. I honestly don't recall attending a game that was uh, was was louder and more energized than the than the fans for this particular game. And you know, we've talked about it uh, you know amongst ourselves uh, since since Saturday. And it just that game just had a different energy about it. I mean, it, it, you know, obviously Georgia has has big matchups uh, year to year, but this was a game that we've just been looking forward to. I mean, ever since two years ago when we went up to South Bend and uh, snuck out a, a win up there, it was just. It just felt different, and it, it was you know eight o'clock game. Obviously, everybody had plenty of time to to get their tailgates rolling, and uh, it was it was just something to to experience. I'm very fortunate and uh, and, and glad I got to, uh, to to be a part of that that wild crowd and uh, awesome game. Yeah, very very fortunate to walk out with a win. Uh, when, you know, a lot of Georgia fans thought that was going to be a, a more of a, a, a easier win than it than it really was. So uh, awesome awesome game. Taylor Lamb, co-founder and master brewer of Oconee Brewing Company in Greensboro, Georgia. Man, we appreciate your insight and your time. Go dogs! Go and, dogs! Uh, I'm gonna have to try me some of that mean, mean machine cold beer. Yes, sir. I don't know about you, Travis, but that the whole culture of craft breweries and it's 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 still so kind of unrefined. That's what I love about it. It's almost it's almost flying the bird at the corporate approach, and it's working too. Oh yeah, because it's like, working because the beer is good. Well, you like you ask them, hey, what do you want to do? Let's go over to this brewery, and so th- they're not just you know going and getting a you know a uh, a name brand beer. They're going down to the local brewery and having all different kinds of samples. I want to just see if I can get like an internship and just be one of, like their samplers. 
It's not. Yeah, you'd be good at that. I was just as I was getting ready to say to uh, to Taylor there, man. I, I don't know how you get out of the office not half cocked every day, sampling all that beer. It's man, great. this doesn't taste quite right. Let me try one more. Like, and it's got to be nice for him. Just like, do you think he has to pay for the beers at Georgia games, or no? I will. I, I doubt it. I'd say that uh, he probably knows a couple people that could slide him one. It's cool, man. I had a beer this weekend in College Station that was – I always get, try to go local. I always ask for the can, and then I ask for local red. And this, they brought me this beer at the Texas A&M Hotel, which, by the way, is immaculate. I mean, it's right – it's quite literally across the courtyard from Kyle Field. I just I saw I was impressed. That'd be so nice that once you're done with the game, you literally walk right back. You don't have to deal with traffic or anything. It was so it was first class, and they had a great bar in there. And that's where I asked for this beer. So they bring me this beer called Damn It Jim, Damn It Jim Red Ale. I know it's like some some guys. Jim's wife probably named that Damn It Jim, and it was so good. And I had a couple of them, and then I had to have that moment of clarity where you decide, should I have a couple more or should I be responsible and go to bed? And uh, I loved it. It was really good. New Republic Brewing uh, in College Station makes damn it, Jim. It's good. But anyway, I appreciate Taylor's insight. I love learning about that stuff, and I hope it was interesting for you guys. There's a story I want to get to here that Travis and I have been batting around and discussing, and I wanted to bring to you guys' attention. But before I tell you guys about that story, I want to remind you guys that ZipRecruiter is awesome. And Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, man, he needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. He was really struggling to find a qualified applicant. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. And ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you can get qualified candidates almost immediately. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was so impressed with how quickly they had great candidates apply, and he also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant applicants. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee. It only took a couple days. With results like that, It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter find a quality candidate in the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of every size. Try ZipRecruiter for free at this address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-Y. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So I want to get to this story, which I think is awesome. Travis actually brought it to my attention. This is This is just so cool. And this is from the Corpus Christi Caller Times down in Texas. Corpus Christi, Texas. Hometown of Bobby and Terry Labonte, NASCAR champions, NASCAR Hall of Famers. So get this story here, all right? James South, a World War II veteran, is approaching his 100th birthday on October 7th. All right, it's currently as we tape September 25th. So that's two weeks from now, right, Travis? Math sounds good. Almost exactly two weeks from now. So Mr. South, again, he's a World War II veteran. He's going to be a 100 years old on October 7th, and he only wants one thing for his birthday. In a recent Facebook post, Brookdale Senior Living in Waluga, Texas, 
posted an image of South holding a sign declaring his birthday wish to receive 100 cards. It says, hello, my name is James South, and I'm a proud World War II veteran. I'll be turning 100 on October 7th, 2019, and I'd love to receive 100 birthday cards, the sign reads. South, who moved into Brookdale last year at the age of 98, told the staff he wants to have all the cards framed and hung on his walls. South has already received a couple birthday cards from friends and family, and he plans to celebrate his 100th birthday with a big party surrounded by those friends and family on Saturday and Sunday, according to representatives of the senior living facility. Look, y'all, here's the deal. Take a minute, go get a card, and send it to Mr. South. All right, he's a World War II vet. He fought for our freedom. Greatest generation. There ain't many of them left. And we need to champion them. This is so, I'm going to do it. Travis is going to do it. We're going to send Mr. South a card. Here's the address to send Mr. South a birthday card for his 100th birthday. Again, October 7th is his 100th birthday. Send it to this address. Get your pen out. James South, 5800 North Park Drive, Watuga or Watauga, might be Watauga, Texas, 76148. That's James South, exactly like it sounds, 5800 North Park Drive, Watauga, Texas, W-A-T-A-U-G-A, Texas, 76148. That's an easy ask, man. We're going to send, we're going to send Mr. South a hundred cards just from the Marty Smith's America listenership. We got to have a hundred people that listen, right, Travis? I think we can get a hundred. If we can't get a hundred, we got some issues. I mean, th- we need y'all to let us know, please. If you send in Mr. South a birthday card, we need to know it because we want to try to get at least a hundred just from us. Let us know it at Travis Rockhold. At Marty Smith ESPN on the Twitter machine or Instagram. I'm about to quit Twitter. So Instagram at Marty Smith ESPN at Travis Rockhold. Let us know that you sent Mr. South a birthday card and send him one, man. Three sentences. Thank you so much for your service to our nation, sir. Happy birthday. You made it a century, man. A century. I can't imagine. So my granny, Eunice Martin Smith, she made it 98 years on this earth. And she grew up in the Great Depression and all that and and went through that whole thing. And it was fascinating, like her mindset about the world. You have to think about all the things they saw come into being during their lives and all of the change that they saw during their lives from the impact of radio. I'm right in the middle of this unbelievable Ken Burns country music documentary. I just finished the third show last night about Hank Williams and the Hillbilly Shakespeare. And golly, it's about, I mean, it's the greatest show I've ever watched. I think I'm for what I love in life. It's, it's love and loss and heartache and failure and, and mistakes and all the things that move me emotionally that Hank poured into his music and all these artists are. I, again, I'm only three of the eight. I've only yeah. gotten through three of the eight. I'm a little ahead of you because I was on there talking a lot about Waylon last night. 
Oh my God, I can't wait. Oh, it, this I probably the stuff you already know. Like I didn't know that some of this stuff because of you know I'm newer to the uh, the older country uh, era. But it was I've uh, read every one of the books. I'm loving it. So I'm pretty well versed on. Like I was not as well versed on Hank. And and all of those guys that came before Hank, Roy Acuff and Minnie Pearl and all those folks who helped make the Ryman the Ryman, who helped make the mother church the mecca of country music. I knew about them, but I didn't know about them. And, dude, this is the greatest thing I've ever watched. It's- I can't turn away. I'm exhausted at night. I don't want to be awake. But it's 1045 last night. And I'm turning, I'm making myself, all right, I'm turning the TV off. And Laney's watching it with me, and Hank hasn't passed away yet in the back of the car. And Laney's like, wait, whoa, you're going to turn it off there? (laughs) What are you doing, dummy? And so I turn it back on, and we watch to the end of the third episode, and I'm just fascinated. I've never seen photos of Waylon without the long hair. Oh, I have. When he was a radio DJ in Texas, seen him when he first went to Nashville, and him, oh man, the, oh it's it was at first I was like, wait, uh, is this the same Waylon I'm thinking about? Have you ever seen Crazy Heart? I have not. Man, dude, all right, Jeff Bridges plays Bad Blake, and it's this unbelievable film about a former country superstar. With these amazing songs, which by the way, a couple of those songs are actually on the Never Settle playlist. Uh, Fallen and Flying is one of them. Funny how falling feels like flying for a little while. It's unbelievably well written. Anyway, and Jeff Bridges can sing. So Jeff Bridges plays Bad Blake. And dude, it is amazing. What a phenomenal film that is. And so much of it, I had Waylon in my mind watching this. I'm still kind of new. Like, I was a country fan before jumping on Marty and McGee and now this. And then so I got into the 90s a little more, knew some. But so now I'm st- I'm still branching out and going further back. So it's taken me a little more time. I'm, you remember, I'm, I'm only 12, Marty. Yeah, I know you're six years old. But it, I, I just, I cannot describe how fulfilling it is for me to watch this i've watched almost everything ken burns has ever done in fact we tried to get ken burns on here to discuss this work I, so and they declined I, us literally during the podcast as we're taping right now i looked over and got an email saying unfortunately they're gonna have to pass right now it happens we ain't big time enough it's all good we'll get there one day and people be asking us for help hey, at least hey, at least they, they at least they told me no you'd be surprised how many people uh don't even respond so don't even bother don't even bother but i uh i do appreciate his work i've watched all that he's done the baseball documentary he did was phenomenal the vietnam one was unbelievable he did one on a civil war just just unbelievable reporting and study and compilation that goes into this. And this one on country music has just completely filled my tank up. I can't wait to get to the fourth installment. But all that's an aside and a bit of a tangent because back to what Mr. South has seen in his life and my grandmother saw throughout their lifespan all the change and all the evolution and the changes in society. And it's just 
it's just more than you could even begin to grasp. It's crazy when you think about what he had as a kid growing up to what kids have now that he's seen in his lifespan and everything in between. It's when you think about it, it's insane. Like no we have these man. iPhones now that that wasn't even anywhere near being thought about when he was first born. Yep. No question. It, it, I can't, I mean, you imagine, I can't imagine what it's like for someone in their eighties or nineties or whatnot to sit here and watch a kid stare at a TV screen and it, you know, or excuse me, a phone screen because so many parents today are fighting this, man. We sure are. We well, sure are. My nephew who's in seventh grade has a cell phone and was like texting me the other night. And I was like taken aback by that first. Cause I'm just not, yep. I'm used to calling my brother or my sister and, you know, saying, Hey, is, you know, one of the kids around to talk or FaceTime and I'm and no, he's texting me and he's asking me, he's uh, playing quarterback on, his team and he had questions for me <laughs> well he definitely went to the uh authority on quarterbacking yeah and i i yeah i'm uh, like i'm like crap do i know any quarterbacks i could actually give him legitimate <laughs> advice because i stopped playing football when i was 12 so my quarterbacking Man, advice that. is what i see and what i hear watching but nowhere near the advice i should probably be giving him i love the game i mean i love the game i think before we get out of here i think georgia made a great statement they won over a really good team and they didn't play their best game. And, you know, what, what, where are we now with Notre Dame? Are they going to be done in the college football playoff conversation? I hosted college football live on Tuesday with David Pollock and Joey Galloway and Pollock came right out and said it that Notre Dame's done. Um, it's such a unique year because Alabama is so good. LSU is so good. Georgia is so good. Auburn has two huge wins and is undefeated in the SEC West. We don't really know where they're going. That's four teams in the Southeastern Conference alone who are making all that noise. Ohio State is running through everybody like poo through a goose. They're headed to Lincoln this weekend. Oklahoma is dominating everybody. And so there are, you know, it's, it's in Clemson. We didn't even mention Clemson yet. They're running over everybody too and they don't even. You were done thinking about Clemson. We're just, we're just saying that there's three spots now open for the playoffs. Basically. It's, um, and the other thing is remarkable how good, how, or how great the great teams are. They're noticeably great. And Notre Dame's schedule took a massive hit last week with their future games with a certain team up north. They were hoping that was going to be a marquee game for them to have on their resume, and now it may not be. And we didn't mention Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin looks really good. Now, What? how are they going to do when they have to stretch the field a little bit if somebody can stack the box against Taylor and, and make them change their offense a little bit? That'll be interesting to see. But, man, they were impressive against Michigan, and Michigan's offense is underwhelming and reeling right now, and Harbaugh said it on Monday. It's just not acceptable. And that then leads you into the entire debate of Harbaugh at Michigan, which is this incessant debate. I read a a piece this morning in the Detroit News about how it's time for Harbaugh to prove his mettle. And I just, you know, I kind of go back to constantly, what do you want? What do you want? Is what Michigan has to have 
relevance? Is it competitiveness? Is it a Big Ten championship? Is it the college football playoff? Is it a national championship? Where is Michigan's definition of success? They hired Harbaugh. Is it beating Ohio State? Is it what is it? Because I don't know what it is. They hired him for three things, Marty. One, to beat Ohio State. Two, win Big Ten titles. Three, compete for national championships. But that first one is the most important one. And why? Who are you going to go get? So here's the thing, though. Who are you going to get? People said that fire, when Cooper was fired, who are you going to go get? Go get somebody that can put some life in that and win the rivalry because guess what? So who is it? He was the guy. I don't know who it is. He was the guy that was that guy. They, they went and got Urban Meyer. All right. They went and got Urban Meyer after Trestle, right? And that's an Ohio guy. But who was Jim? Trestle. But Trestle was not. Ohio guy. But he wasn't this huge name. And well, th- this then one, find this, me the Michigan guy. Th- but that's the other thing. This whole Michigan man thing, the original Michigan man was not a Michigan man. They, I understand that Harbaugh is still a, a really good 10 and 2 is, you know, it's going to be hard to find someone that can do that, but they need to find a coach that can beat Ohio State because the fans want that. That's what they want. And, and it's just, it's always interesting to me. I mean, right now, so in the in the in the year in the decade or so before Harbaugh got to Ann Arbor, it was Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez. They averaged six wins a year. So Harbaugh comes in, and they're doing pretty well in terms of the overall volume of wins. It's this big game thing. They can't win the big game. Definitely, the effort against Wisconsin was not there. That was. They got punched in the mouth and they kept on taking punches. I heard the players say this week, I was watching uh, some of the, some of the media address that some of the players said before, uh, before college football live on Tuesday. And uh, one of the linebackers said, we have to learn to punch people in the mouth first. And look, you can see the disgust on everybody's face. It was a bad loss. I wonder where this thing goes. I, I just keep wanting, like, what do you want? I think who do you want? I like, what's got, the solution? He's got this year and next year. He has to get one win. He's got to. He's got to. He's got to get a win this year or next year, or else things are well, probably going to be moving in another direction. Well, we'll see. So, thank y'all for listening. We appreciate your time always. And Travis, I appreciate you getting us. Taylor, the Brewer. Thank you for the effort. I appreciate it always. Appreciate Dan, Stu, Mike, everybody involved in the Lebetard and Friends Network. Make sure to check out That's What She Said by Sarah Spain, the Mina Kimes Show. Support those guys. Make sure to check out ZipRecruiter and Zapier, our great sponsors who keep this thing free for y'all. And speaking of free, we're free. We live in a free country, and that's because of our men and women in uniform all over this country and all over this world defending that freedom. I was reminded of that when I went to Fort Campbell, and I'm reminded of that every day. I'm so, so grateful. And send those letters. For our send those birthday military cards. member. Make sure you send a letter to Mr. South. Wish him a happy 100th birthday, and that'll mean a lot to him, and he deserves it. So y'all be good. That's Marty Smith's America, Volume 72. We'll try better next time. See you.